0: Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. As we continue to look at the tools that we need in our family survival kit, we come to the topic of marriage. Today, Pastor Roy will be looking at magnifying Christ in marriage. We encourage you to open up your Bibles to Ephesians as we look at how our position in Christ affects our practice in everyday life. Here is Pastor Roy Burkett.
1: And as Jake prayed a moment ago, we we're going to talk about magnifying Christ in marriage. Uh, probably one of the motivations that was not on your mind, perhaps, when you asked your spouse to marry you, was magnifying Christ. Hopefully it was. Um, I got a little married a little later in life. I was in my 30s, and I remember talking to my wife, and, and one of the things that I told her was, I really believe that we can serve God better together than separately and that's been our our goal, our desire. We haven't done it perfectly by any means, uh, but really that should be the desire in marriage is that we magnify Christ in our marriage. And that's really God's relationship to the church, the body of Christ, He relates to marriage. And so it's very near and dear, the heart of God. And so there's really three things we're going to talk about this morning, and we're going to work our way through these. The first one is the calling that we have received. The second one is the commands that God has given. And the third one is the conduct that we are to reflect. So the calling that we have received, the commands that God has given, and the conduct that we are to reflect. A cartoonist drew a picture in which a preacher had prepared the pulpit area like a fortress. He was peering through the crack of a machine gun nest, and the caption read below the uh, cartoon, it said, today my text is 1 Peter 3.1, wives submit to your husbands. <laughs> he was kind of scared to even talk about it. Uh, we're going to get to that actually later in the sermon, because the foundation of marriage and relationship goes back to our calling that we receive from God. The calling that he has given each one of us. And so we're going to talk about that. And in relationship to that, we're going to turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. And while you're turning there, I want to remind us that the first three chapters of Ephesians talk about our position in Christ. He lays out very clearly who we are as believers in Jesus Christ. And then in chapters 4 through 6, Paul lays out our practice in life. That here's who we are in Christ, our position. God has placed us in his son. And now we have a practice to carry out that position. Think about a baseball team. In baseball, they have different positions. Let's say I'm to play shortstop. In that position, I have to know when the ball is hit to me, if there's a runner on base, where am I supposed to throw the ball? What am I supposed to do if I get the ball? If I'm in left field... I may do something differently than the shortstop. So it depends on the position that I have will impact the practice that I do. You follow me? The position determines my practice. And so God has given us a position of being in Christ. And because of that position in Christ, it impacts my practice in life of how I live how you live, how we live in marriage, how I behave in marriage is dictated by my position in Christ. So the better I understand my position, the more my position is strengthened, the better my practice can be. Do you follow me? My practice should reflect my position and how vital that is. So let's look first of all at the calling that we have received. The calling that we have received is there is a universal call that goes out to all mankind. This calling is an invitation from God to be a part of his kingdom and to be his people. He has given us a calling that is filled with great blessing and numerous privileges that we have as children of God and I won't have the time to read it but if you will write down Ephesians chapter 1 go there and read and here's how Paul opens it he says in Ephesians 1 3 our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ and here's what he says he chose us in him before the creation of the world he predestined us to be adopted as his sons he has freely given us his grace We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. That's my position in Christ. That's what Christ has done for me. Now my practice is going to be based off that position. So the better I understand that position, the more my practice can be reflecting Christ to the world. Not only in my personal life, but in my marriage as well. Many have not yet accepted this invitation. This calling or invitation comes from God, it goes out to all people. Here's what he says in Luke 5.32, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. God's call is to the world, to sinners. That's me and that's you. Some of us have received that call and therefore we've received the grace of God, we've received the redemption and forgiveness for our sin. And because of that now, God ask us to practice a life that reflects my position. My practice should reflect my position. I cannot have a position of being in Christ and live like a pagan. I have to begin to practice what God has told me and live out my position so that God is magnified not only in my life but in my marriage. That's what God wants from each one of us. He says in 1 Peter 2, 9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Because of that position, I belong to God. That you may declare the praises of him who did what? He called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God has called you and I out of the bondage and the slavery and the guilt and condemnation of sin That I can be in a position of being in Christ, clean, pure, whole, and now I can live out that position. The enemy lies to us so many times about our position, and people come out of a position of weakness. My friends, we have the power of Christ. I have the power of Christ not only for my personal life. I have the power of Christ to invest in my marriage and to make it Christ-like, to strive to make it Christ-like because I've been called out of darkness into the wonderful light of Christ, the purity, the righteousness, and the holiness of Christ because of what he's done for us. And so we need to accept that invitation, but not everyone has answered that call. Accepting this call into God's kingdom comes with numerous privileges, as I've mentioned, but also responsibilities accepting membership into God's kingdom means I will strive to live according to the king who rules in this kingdom, and that is Christ. And so here's what he says. We're actually going to go back before we get to chapter 5 and back to chapter 4 because there's where our practice begins. Here's the foundation of our practice. And this foundation that Paul lays in chapter 4 carries into my marriage. That's why I want to talk about it. Because the Bible in over 1100 chapters says very little about marriage, but it says about our, our relationship with Christ is foundational. And so here Paul lays out, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I have been called into God's kingdom, I have been called into this righteous life, and he says to walk worthy of that calling. God has called us to that. We are to accept this position in Christ. Worthy means to weigh. Let me tell you, take a scale that has two sides. When you put something in one side, you want to put something in the other side and equal it out to balance it out. Here's what he's saying about this, to walk worthy of the Lord. He's saying, I put my life on this side, Jesus Christ is on this side, and we should be balancing out the scale because our life is to reflect Jesus Christ. That's a worthy walk, that my weight in this world is to equal the weight of Jesus Christ when he was here. You say, but I'm not Jesus. No, we're not. But we are to strive to be like Jesus. We've been placed in Jesus, and therefore I'm to live out a practice of a life that looks like Jesus. That's what he's called us to. A manner worthy of the calling is to live like Jesus Christ. That's what he's called us to. Notice what he says, it means how I live my life is comparable to how Jesus lived his life. What a challenge for us to live that way. Notice what he says in Philippians 1.27, only let your manner of life do what? Be worthy of the gospel of Christ comparable to Christ. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Notice when you are striving side by side there is a oneness. What does that remind us of? Marriage. The two become one flesh. Christ and the church become one. Husband and wife becomes one. When we walk worthy of the gospel of Christ, we magnify Christ in our marriage. And that's why it's essential that we understand that. We magnify Christ in the church when we walk worthy of the gospel. You remember the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. Here's what it says. The story of the prodigal son who testified, listen, remember he lived a profligate life, He lived a party life. He was a rioter. He took his money and he lived in sinful, shameful life. And he says, I am no longer, what, worthy to be called your son. Why? Because his practice did not match what his position should have been with his father. He was no longer worthy to be called his son. His sense of unworthiness sprung from his sinful riotous life. He did not care about the things of God. He was involved in immoral activity. He loved pleasure more than he loved God. So to walk worthy of my calling requires these things, and I'm gonna have to do these quickly. Five things. They're listed right here in the passage. Number one, humility. If you and I are gonna walk worthy, do we need humility in marriage? Do we need humility in the church? Absolutely we need humility. In our humility, it is the esteem of ourselves, small. We don't think large about ourselves. When a sinner humbles himself, he will have a deep conviction of his unworthiness to receive God's grace, and he will pour out his heart of his confession of sin to God. He will have great sorrow over violating God's law. He will identify areas of weakness in which he needs to grow because he says, you know what, I'm not perfect, I haven't arrived yet. I still need to grow in the Lord. I still need to grow in the Lord. Secondly is gentleness. This is not just outward demeanor. This is someone who has a tender heart for God's Word. A tender heart for God's Word. The expressions of this gentleness is primarily towards God. I have this gentleness when the God's word comes to my heart, I receive it, the Bible says, according to James one twenty one, it says, I receive with meekness, look, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. I receive with gentleness the word of God. How do you receive the word of God? Is it like this? I'm resistant, I'm rebelling, or am I saying, God, I want to hear your word. I want to receive it, I want it to change me, takes humility and gentleness. I don't always want to hear (laughs) what God has to say. And we've got to be willing to hear what God has to say. This gentleness that is there. We learn to get angry at the right time, as one writer said, in the right measure and for the right reasons. Well, let's move on. Patience, long-suffering. We're willing to give room for others to grow. My spouse. Me. Uh, We give room for one another to grow. We're willing to accept a person's mishaps and mistakes. It's a person who exercises self-restraint before proceeding to action. I'm patient. Fourthly, bearing with one another in love. This bearing with one another in love means to put up with another person. It means to hold in or back. I restrain myself. I would like to bite their head off. (laughs) I'd like to tell them to take a long hike off a short pier. (laughs) But I don't. I bear with them. Some people are rougher than sandpaper. Right? Not me, of course. You. You. A rougher than, you know, it's always the other person who's rougher than sandpaper. And so I've got to bear with them even though they can boil my blood. God help me love them and minister to them. Five, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What is he talking about here? He's talking about oneness. There's a unity of the Spirit. There is a oneness that comes when we do that. And Christ is magnified through that oneness and that unity. It's also a reconciliation which arises from our relationship with God. He even took Jew and Gentile, and through the cross, He made two one who were enemies. And He can do that. He does that in the body of Christ, and He does it in a marriage relationship where God is magnified when we are become one. So it's crucial that we accept our position in Christ. Accept our position in Christ. Secondly, the commands that God has given. And I'm only going to spend a brief amount of time on this because I want to spend the rest of the time on the conduct. But the commands that God has given, and I just picked out three in chapter 5. Um, The first one is to be a follower of Christ. He says in chapter 5 verse 1, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. To be an imitator means to copy someone. It means to follow them. It means to mimic what they do. That's what we are called to do out of our calling. Walk worthy of the calling that we have received. How do I walk worthy? By practicing those five things we talked about, humility, patience, gentleness, bearing with one another. The unity of the spirit and the bond of peace but then I'm become a follower of Christ I follow the ways of Jesus I copy what Jesus did Jesus came and lived to show us how we should live secondly we walk as children of light He says down in verse 8 For at one time you were darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Here he is talking about moral and spiritual light, the light of God's word. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The knowledge of God's word gives light to my mind. It illumines my conscience that I can follow God. But I desire to live in purity and holiness before God. Jesus said he was a light of the world, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. And thirdly, we are to be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. He says down in verse 18, chapter 5, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. How are we to do that? We are to do it. We are to be continuously filled. Continuously filled. Why? Because we leak. (laughs) I leak. You leak. We all leak. This idea of being continuously filled means daily I have to take in the Word of God because I leak it. Can you remember the sermon by Monday? (laughs) I hope I can. (laughs) We forget. Our minds get busy. Somebody called you up on Tuesday afternoon, What did the pastor preach on sin? you know i don't know the bible you know jesus yeah okay what about you know it's hard to remember and so we have to come back and be continuously filled with the word of god and we are to be abundantly filled as well when we do that when we become a follower of christ when we walk as children of light when we are filled with the spirit you know what we're doing then we've accepted the call Now we are applying the power of Christ to our life. I am applying the power of Christ to my life. And I can walk in victory, as we sang about this morning, victory in Jesus, because I'm applying the power of Christ. Now we look at the third one, the conduct that we are to reflect. The conduct that we are to reflect. He says in 1 Peter 1.15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. I like this little um, poem I came across between a husband and wife. Their marriage seemed to deteriorate maybe just a touch and he said, Before I married Maggie dear, I was her pumpkin pie. Her precious peach and honey boy, the apple of her eye. But after years of married life, this thought I pause to utter. Those fancy names are now on go- are gone. I'm just her bread and butter." <laughs> Hopefully there's more than that in our marriage. That we have a relationship that is magnifying Christ and honoring Christ and we're investing in that marriage. I'm reminded of the story of Winston Churchill and Nancy Astor. Nancy Astor had visited the Blenheim Palace, the ancestral home of Churchill's family. And in conversation with Churchill, she expounded on the subject of women's rights, an issue that she took into the House of Commons as the first member woman who was a woman of Parliament. Churchill opposed her on this and, and other causes that she held dear and In exasperation, Lady Astor said, Winston, if I were married to you I'd put poison in your coffee. Churchill responded, if you were my wife I'd drink it. (laughs) Ouch. Um, That's where some people are, unfortunately, in their relationship. But let's talk about this. Conduct among believers. He says in verse 21, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What does that mean? It comes from the word hupotasso. Hupo meaning under or beneath, and tasso meaning to place in an orderly fashion to arrange. He's saying that we arrange our lives in order under, the wives arrange themselves under. We have leadership in the church the submission that we have to leadership in the church. This idea is not something that God has removed himself from. God has actually placed himself, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, placed himself in submission to the Father. So it doesn't have anything to do with value or ability. It has everything to do with function and role. And so this idea of submission, Jesus Christ coming under, placing himself under, he prayed in the garden, Father, not my will but your will be done. Did he not pray that? Why? Submitting to the Father, showing us an example of submission. If somebody has a problem with submission, it's not the person you are submitting to that's usually the problem. Your problem is you do not respect and honor Christ. If you do not respect the authority and leadership he has placed over you. If that person should not be in that authority, maybe they should be removed. There are people who abuse their authority, but even if they abuse their authority, God tells us, he tells the ladies in 1 Peter 3, that wives, by the behavior and purity and reverence of your lives, you may win your husbands over without a word. Why? Because the power of submission. If you do it God's way. God can bless and use it in a great way. Submission removes chaos. It's seen in the Godhead. Ann Atkins in her book, Split Image, says before we can hope to be good husbands or wives, we must learn to be good Christians. We must also become self-sacrificial and submissive. Now here's what he says, conduct of the wife, two things, two things, submit and respect those are the two things he tells wives. Submit to her husband. How? Voluntarily. It's not through force or coercion. You voluntarily decided to marry your husband. You voluntarily place yourself under his authority and who is the husband in submission to? Christ. He's answerable to Christ. Husbands, you are answerable to Christ. That you are walking worthy of the Lord those five things that we talked about, being filled with the Spirit of God, all those things you are responsible for, to lead your family, and the wife responds to that voluntarily. And I can tell you wives will come to their husbands like a magnet if they lead walking worthy of the Lord. I have yet to do one marriage counseling session with someone who says my husband is loving me too much, he just cares for me, he's so kind, he's good, he's considerate, he sacrifices for me, he would do anything for me. I just, you know, I need him to slow down. (laughs) That doesn't happen. Most ladies are like, where is that kind of guy? (laughs) That's what I'm looking for. Um, So voluntarily she chooses. Secondly, willingly. Not complaining, arguing, pouting. You know when you go outside and it's raining outside you readily and quickly will put up an umbrella and you put the umbrella over you and you put yourself in submission to the umbrella because the umbrella is going to do what? It's going to protect you and provide what you need at that particular time. You put the umbrella up, it protects, it goes over you and you willingly place yourself under the umbrella. Husbands, if we provide and protect our wives, they're going to willingly place themselves underneath us just like we do under an umbrella. I mean, it's a wonderful concept. It is a wonderful word. There'd be utter chaos without submission. Utter chaos. A husband is designed to provide protection to his wife. It doesn't mean inferiority. Equality of person. Diversity of function. That's what we have in marriage. The, hus- the wife is in submission to the husband while the husband is in submission to Christ. They also do it faithfully. Honey, I'll submit to you on Wednesdays and Thursdays at 2 to 5 a.m. <laughs> you know, when you're sleeping, you know, I'll submit to you. No! Around the clock, 24-7, submission is to be around the clock, faithfully, daily, doing that. And what am I doing when I do that? I am magnifying Christ in my marriage. That should be the goal of everything that we do is that we magnify Christ in our marriage. One wife rightfully told her husband, dear, I know that you are willing to die for me. You have told me that many times, but while you're waiting to die, (laughs) could you just fill in some of the time helping me dry the dishes? Wow. That's what they need from us. What else is she to do? She is to respect her husband, to honor her husband, to build him up, to show appreciation, to encourage him when he is down. To talk respectfully and honorably. Last night We we were out on the back patio. I I told my wife, let's go out on the back patio. I said, it is so nice out. I mean, the weather is beautiful, and we can just sit out there and enjoy it, and and my idea was, I'll sit out there, and I'll take my sermon notes, and I'll just kind of go over them and get ready for Sunday, and she's sitting there, and she says, if you're gonna sit there and read your sermon notes, I might as well go back in the house. Ouch. (laughs) I put the sermon notes away. (laughs) Building a marriage that honors Christ. We've got to be willing to humble ourselves, to listen to our spouse. What is the conduct of the husband? Love his wife. Two things, love and lead. Love and lead. Love his wife. What does he say in verse 25? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How? As Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? Sacrificially. He gave himself for the church sacrificially. The expression not to love means to neglect, to disregard, or to condemn if you don't love your wife. Why? do we love our wives sacrificially to make her holy. That's the goal, to make her more like Jesus Christ. My leadership, my authority is not to just reign authority to get my way, my agenda, is to promote the agenda of Christ. It's to promote the glory and honor of Christ, to make her holy, to make her like Jesus. Those things that we talked about in our position, our calling, I want that to be in her life. Patience, gentleness, and all those things. I need her to be patient with me. I need her to be gentle with me. If I want her to be that for me, I need to be that for her. Do I not? Of course I do. And so that's how we can do it. To sanctify her, to purify her from the pollution and guilt of sin. Let me just share with you Ed Wheat, love life for every married couple. I liked his little acronym he had here for the word best. Blessing. We bless our spouses. We speak well of our partner. We show kindness toward our partner to convey thanks and appreciation for our partner, to pray with and for our partner, to share God's word with our partner. I love sharing my... Sometimes I'm preaching to my wife before Sunday. <laughs> Honey, listen to this. <laughs> She's got to hear it more than once. Um, to bless them. That's what God has called us to do. That's showing love to your wife. Edifying, to build up, praising them. Wives are to build up their husbands as well by a loving response, edifying one another, not tearing one another down. Honey, I appreciate when you do this. Sharing, doing things together, listening, loving, learning, investigating, reporting. All these things. Listening, learning about our spouse, we just celebrated 21 years, we still have a long way to go, a lot to learn. I can hear some of you now, you're just kids, (laughs) I know. (laughs) And then also touching, showing non-sexual affection, just value, appreciation, worth, The husband is supposed to lead his wife, not just love his wife, but to lead his wife. God has given you authority to lead, don't abdicate the responsibility. How are you supposed to lead? Out of your position in Christ and out of your calling to Christ. Your practice in life should match your position in Christ. Husbands, we've got to lead like Jesus. We won't do it perfectly. Our authority is limited. God has limited our authority. We are under Christ. We are under authority. Our authority needs to be active, though, not passive. We don't need passive men. We need men who will lead their families closer to Christ. You cannot do that passively. You may have young daughters and you need to tell them not only put that clothes back in the closet, but get the clothes out of the closet. It's too small, it's too tight, it's too little. It's too provocative. Lead your families to Christ. They're spending too much time on the internet, don't leave it up to your wife to do that. You get them off the internet. You limit their time, you give them boundaries, you lead your family. God has called the man to lead. What is the purpose of this leadership? To guide the family in righteousness. That's the goal. I guide my family toward God to walk in truth. That's the purpose of my leadership. To give a sense of order and stability in the home. By the way, these ideas come out of a book called The Exemplary Husband by Stuart Scott. The Exemplary Husband by Stuart Scott. I liked what he said. To give a sense of order and stability in the home. That's what the children need. But they can't have that, Dad, if you won't lead the family. and You won't lead from God's strength. Thirdly, to provide what is needed for the family. That's your role. The Bible says that he who will not provide for his own family is worse than an infidel. The provision of the family, not just physically, emotionally, being present, being active, being involved in your family. He's also to protect the family. You can't do that passively. What comes across that television screen? What comes across that internet? You need to be involved, Dad you need to know. If you haven't got Covenant Eyes, we just got Covenant Eyes. And we were delayed in getting it. Dan Copeland did his thing. It protects the iPhone, the cell phone, it protects the tablet, it protects the computer. My wife is going to get my reports. Every place I've been on the internet, we need to protect our families. We need to take an active role in doing that. Covenant Eyes will give you an internet filter to protect your family. That's up to the dads to make that happen. To accomplish ministry for God more effectively. How does a husband lead his family? By shepherding his family. Jesus said he was the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. We shepherd our family. We care for them. We lead by example. We lead lovingly. We are involved in their lives. We instruct our children. It's not up just to the mom to do that. We protect and provide for the family. The two are to become one flesh. Two rivers may flow smoothly before they merge, but when they flow together, they often become tumultuous. Each river has its own current which collides with the current of the other river. This creates powerful undercurrents and spectacular rapids. As the rivers flow downstream, however, the collision of the currents subsides and the new river emerges. Broader, deeper, and more powerful So it is with good marriages. The forming of any new union may have rough water at first, but as the currents of life merge, the two become broader, deeper, and more powerful. The two truly become one. Let's stand for a word of prayer. your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Marriage is under attack. There's no doubt about it. Satan is out to destroy the home and he goes for the foundation, he goes for the the marriage. He goes for the children. He goes for anything he can to destroy the family. He wants moms and dads who will not take seriously their position in Christ, their calling to Christ, their practice in life. Maybe you're here this morning and you have not walked worthy of the Lord in leading your family or maybe as a wife in submission to your husband. Would you take time to this week, carve out an hour or whatever it takes and talk about your marriage? Say, honey, how are we doing? Let's evaluate. Let's see, how are we doing? We have our position in Christ. What is our practice like? Are there things that I'm doing that you're not fond of or vice versa? And be willing to work on it and listen to one another and truly listen. And it may be that you may need to get an outside voice, a godly voice to say, sit down and say, you know what, let's, let's evaluate this and let's talk about this because here's a sticking point that we haven't been able to get past and we need somebody else to come in and give us some guidance. Be willing to do that. Let me just encourage you to be willing to do that. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You haven't answered the call to come out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are still in bondage. You're in slavery to your sin. You are weak. And you have no ability to lead your family. Would you be willing to humble yourself and give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? That's your first call. If you're going to have a marriage that magnifies Christ, you've got to answer the call. And then you have to understand your position in Christ, and then your practice to begin to practice to match your position.
0: We hope you've enjoyed today's message.